Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. With our study on John 16, and I would like to, I'm trusting to be able to finish up tonight on the issue of judgment of the prince of this world. So again, we go to John 16, just to take the text. John 16, reading from verse number 7. And it said, Nevertheless, to tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now verse number 8 says, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. I've sinned because I believe not on me. Verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And verse 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. This is the last aspect of this consideration that we're having in relation to this statement made by the Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. And uh, we've been able to establish the fact that everything here is dealing with Christ himself, basically. He's just talking about Christ in relation to how the world will not believe him as the Lamb of God and how that he was crucified innocently, which has to do with his righteousness. And now we're dealing with the judgment of the prince of this world in relation to his cross. Amen? All right. So, let's look at the Hebrews again. Hebrews 2 verse 14. We've been able to establish the fact again that the cross is actually what brought the divide. I mean, the destruction of the power of Satan as it were. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy he that had the power of death, and that is the devil. I tried to establish this power with us last week that the power of death is not necessarily that the devil has so much power to kill. Deuteronomy made us understand 32.29 that God personally said, I have the power to kill and to make alive and there is none beside me. No other God beside me. So there is no other God that has the power to kill. Only God has the power to kill. And I also try to establish the fact that when the scripture says, the thief cometh but to kill, to steal, and to destroy, it's not necessarily talking about the devil. He was talking about the Pharisees and all of those people that were ministering to the household of faith, if you will, without going through Jesus Christ. It wasn't talking about the devil. It was talking about ministries. Hallelujah. 
And that is why scripture says, All that ever come before me, they are thieves and robbers. So when they say they are thieves and robbers, and then the thief cometh to steal. So you connect it, you will be able to understand that he was talking about the Pharisees. And everybody that will not go through Jesus Christ to minister to the saints is a thief and a robber. Amen? Because he is the door, and anybody that goes into the cheerful without going through the door will go through the window. So he's a thief and a robber. Praise God. Alright, so again, I try to make us understand that the devil doesn't have any power. That the power that the devil has ever exercised is a delegated power. God allows it. If God doesn't allow it, it can't work. That's what I made us understand last week. And um, let me read one scripture again on that. So again, Isaiah 54, we touched that last week. Isaiah 54 verse 16. Just to refresh your mind. Isaiah 54 16. Behold, I created a smith that bloweth the coals on the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I've created a waste to destroy. He said, I create. Amen. Praise God. You, you, you see, if God is taking responsibility for what he has done, you don't have any right to defend him. Amen. You may choose to defend God, but God is saying, don't defend me. I did. Hallelujah. Okay. Let me give you another scripture. I tried to also make you understand last week that what we just read proved one major point, and that is that even Job could not be touched without the permission of God. Remember that? In Job 1. So now go to Job 19. Let's look at something. Verse 21. Job 19, verse 21. Praise God. He said, Job, J-O-B, not John. He said, Have pity on me. Now, Job is speaking to his friends who has come to, as it were, console him. But now they were trying to accuse him. They were trying to say all manner of things about him. How that he's not a righteous man and so on and so forth. So here Job is trying to say, listen, I've suffered quite enough. I just need somebody to give me some break. and need some rest from all this accusation. Is that okay? So he said, have pity on me, have pity on me. Oh yeah, my friends. Now you listen to this. For... The hand of God has done what? Touched me. He didn't say the hand of the devil. Did you get that? The hand of God has touched me. He didn't say the hand of the devil has touched me. Who destroyed the things that were supposed to have been destroyed in the life of Job? Commonly we say the devil. Is that okay? Good. But what Job is saying here is, if God have not permitted the devil, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did. So it's not ascribing what happened to the devil, it's ascribing it unto who? Unto God. The hand of God have touched me, not the hand of the devil have touched me. You see, Jesus made a statement in the book of Matthew. He said, if your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. What you let him mean to say is this. You can't be seeing the devil and God at the same time in your life. You will never walk in light. Is that okay? You never experience light. 
If every day you see the devil here, you see God here, I see the devil and God are colliding and fighting, you just can't see light. The truth is this. Opposite of God is not the devil. Opposite of God is God. <laughs> you understand that? Opposite of God is God. It's not the devil. Because this is you. He is... Oh, come on. God doesn't look and be seeing the devil. He sees you. Is that alright? So, you see, God is not fighting with the devil. No. It's not. He said, there is no other God beside me. No. Is that alright? Everything in creation, this may be hard, is created for his pleasure. That's what scripture says. You created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were what? Created. Everything in creation. If you like, minus the devil. That's not what the scripture says. That's a problem. What do you mean everything? What is the everything? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. So, Hebrews tells us that he came to destroy he that has the power of death. And I tried to explain this expressly last week. The hangman is not he that has the power of death, as it were, but is the executioner of that which have been condemned by the judge and by the law. The hangman or the military man that takes on the criminal on the stake in the firing squad. The man can only do that because the government has said this man is a criminal, he should be killed, and then he comes in with his rifle or whatever and shoot the man. Though he may have the gun to shoot the man, but the truth is, without the permission of the presidency or whoever, he has no right to shoot the man. So automatically he doesn't have the power of death. The power he has is the one given to him, which is the gun that is going to use on the criminal, right there on the chief, whatever is the case. But the gun belongs to the government. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The gun is going to use to shoot the criminal belongs to the government. The military man does not have gone by himself to execute anybody. So the power with which he's executing is given to him by who? By the government. Good. So now the devil does whatever thing he does because that power is given to him by who? By God. So now he says through his death he took that power from him. Did you get that? That he might destroy him that has the power of death. Now I want to look at the word destroy. The word means to render powerless. To render powerless. So now, it simply means, in this wise, if we look at the analogy of the man that was going to shoot the criminal on the stake, what is not trying to say, oh, help me now, I get it. What he's not trying to say is that the gun is not taken away from him. That man that was supposed to be shot had been declared righteous. Did you get that? By reason of his righteousness, control this somebody. By reason of his righteousness, which we now have, 
Those of all that the enemy was supposed to execute. Are you getting that? The power to execute us is not taken away from him. So you are free. Oh. Now you can see what happened to Lazarus. Lose him and let him go. Did you get that? So the power of death is taken away from the devil. Therefore you have no cause to be afraid of whatever the devil can do. Maybe we need to go back to that place. Hebrews 2 and uh, verse 14. Hebrews 2 14, very quickly. Oh. Praise the Lord. So, you go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, and uh, this is what it says now. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same that through death might destroy he that had the power of death. That is what the devil. Moving down, you say that such people that through all their lifetime were subject to the fear of death. You get that? They were subject to the fear of death. So, the fear of death is taken away because you got to realize that death is no longer there for you. Why? Because you that have the power of death have been taken away or the power have been taken away from him that means the man can no longer execute you. Hallelujah. And so when you go back now to what you begin to read in the book of Isaiah 54, I created the waste to destroy. And then you go down to the next one and it says, no weapon formed against you shall do what? Prosper. What was the weapon? The weapon for executing the criminals. Are you, are you there with me now? But now you're no longer a criminal. And you go down, the next thing is going to say, their righteousness is what? Is of me. So by reason of their righteousness being of me, meaning... God is giving us his righteousness and because we are righteous people, the devil do not have power anymore to do what? To execute us. So that's where your fear must go. Is that alright? Somebody is about, people still do all that kind of thing, you know. The devil is still killing people. Yes. This is the point. I was sharing with a pastor friend this afternoon and I made him to understand something. Something that all of you know too well here. It's only what you believe that surely can happen. What happened is, this fellow was with me some time ago with a wife. They belong to a system wherein the mother was saying that this is a life they must live, otherwise things will not be good for them. But the lady at a point felt they can continue with their life. It's not wrong life in terms of, but really just traditions, concept, whatever. You must tie your hair, you must do this, you must do this, that kind of, all this kind of holiness thing. Right. But this lady got married to a pastor and he said, about this thing, I don't see light in there anymore. And the mother said, if you are my daughter, whatever it is, if you can do what I am saying, it will not be well with you. So, one of the daughters got married and after about how many years? No pregnancy. And then the prophecy came because of what the mother said. So, she has to go back and change and begin to do those things that they were doing. Right? 
And so these people came to me and they said, well, this is the case. They don't know what to do. I said, you know what to do. What you know how to do is do what you're doing now. That's what you know how to do and that's what you're going to do. You are not going back there and nothing's going to happen. He just came to me and said, Pastor, my wife is pregnant for about four months now. So there you are. We never prayed. We didn't do anything. I made them to understand is what you believe. Is that okay? It's what you believe that will work for you. You've got to understand that. So if you come to the conclusion that well, witches are going to kill you, they're surely going to kill you. You die in your hands. And when you get down to heaven, and God's going to ask you, why are you here? A witch killed me. And God will say, congratulations. Are you there with me? Hallelujah. See, I'm trying to make you say this. Connect this to what we're talking about on Sunday in terms of faith. You need to come to that understanding that this God you're serving is well able to protect you and he has set you free. He's delivered you from everything that the enemy was even accusing you of. You must come to that conclusion. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? So, look at the next verse again. Verse, uh, what verse is that now? Just look at the next verse, which is verse 15. And it says, verse 15 of Hebrew 2, and believe of them who through fear of death, this is the key point, were all their life and subject to what? To bondage. To be bondage, to be in slavery. That means there are a lot of people who are living as slaves though they are Christians, but they are slaves. Through one spirit, which is the spirit of fear. Is that okay? And you know, in the true sense, what the enemy uses to frighten you. I read for you last week, the Bible says the lion ass, I mean the, the devil as a roaring lion. When you say somebody is ass, that means he's not. He's only acting like, but he's not. The devil is never a lion. It's just only one lion. And that's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's acting like a lion. He's also have what you call pastors wearing sheep clothing. It's pretension. It's being, you understand that? Good. Hallelujah. Okay. So I want you to catch that. And it's very important that you should know this. The devil has no power over your life. Jesus destroyed all of that on the cross. Amen. Now, if you go take polluted water or acid and drink it. And you die. That have nothing to do with the devil killing you. You were stupid. Is that okay? Come on, am I talking to somebody? If you know this is acid and you go and drink acid and you die, that have nothing to do with the devil. Don't you come to tell me the devil made me to drink acid. You should be wiser than that. I'm more intelligent than that that the devil cannot ask you to go and drink acid because you can read and know that this acid, the devil... Mom, what are you telling me? You did that, you have to bear the consequences of your foolishness. Nothing to do with the devil. Last month... The pastor almost, in fact, part of his boot thought is gone in South Africa. He went and jumped into a zoo. He wanted to prove that he can enter the lion's den and come back like Daniel. And the lion had a good show. You see, the guard came, tried to shoot the lion, to demobilize the lion, whatever, but before that could be done, for the man to run out of the cage, part of his boot talk was gone. So now he has to go and do plastic surgery. I believe. It's foolishness. Nothing to do 
with the devil. Is that alright? Somebody say, say, Pastor, you don't understand. The devil can turn your brain. The witches can turn your brain. You turn their brain. Why allow your brain to be turned by them and you can't turn their own brain? Turn their brain and let them repent. Why are they turning your brain to drink acid? You're giving too much power to the devil. He's a defeated idiot. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? You follow me? Let's take responsibility for what we are doing. And stop blaming the devil for anything. Wrong thoughts is the issue. Not the devil. Is that okay? If you can clean your kitchen well, you can take some virals, lots of fever. Have nothing to do with the devil. It's fever. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? Just keep clean. Praise God. Amen. Okay. Let's look at something else in the book of Second Timothy 1. Verse number 8. You see, when he said destroy, to render powerless, inoperative. Second Timothy 1 verse 8. He said, be not out therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel, according to the power of God. Verse number 9. Who has saved us, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Verse 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who had done what? Abolish that and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. The word abolish means there is no more death for the believer. Somebody say, what? What about those who are dying? God is right. You die, you move on. You're only changing this physical body. A believer doesn't die. A believer sleeps in the Lord. Are you there with me? If you change, if peradventure you go through the way of the fathers by dropping this flesh, that is not the end of your life. You only change location. You only drop this flesh. Jesus dropped his flesh, came up on the other side, and was still walking on this side. It's just a change of tabernacle. Is that alright? Hey, are you with me? Good. So you abolish death means we can die, we don't die, we will never die. Praise the living God. Okay, so this is the point. So God plans in them that is the believer and on dying seed. The gem of heavenly immortality. The believers have to pass through a peradventure what you call natural death. Is that okay? Are you still with me? But that is not the end of your life. The seed in you is an undying seed. It can die. And how many of you understand when you drop the flesh, God gives you another body based on the seed that you carry? First Corinthians 15 tells all that. So that's the point. You need to understand that Christians don't die. You can die. You can only transist. And I've already explained it before. Most people say... When they lost their loved one, 
say transition to glory. Have you read that before? Good. So even the unbelievers don't even believe that their people died. Because a transit doesn't mean you die. You move from one realm to another realm. That's transitioning. So if that is transition, then of course you must understand that doesn't mean death. The only thing is, you can't see these people again because they are on another side of life. I was trying to explain this to a brother a few days ago and he said, I've never seen it this way. He said, Pastor too. Right? We just can't see these people who have transited, but they see us because they are on the realm of glory in terms of celestial realm while we are in terrestrial realm. They see us, but we don't see them. That's why our eyes of understanding also need to be enlightened, not just on the small scriptures, but ability to see into the spirit realm. Just like Elisha had to pray for the servant to have his eyes open and he saw chariot all over them or around them. Is that okay? That is the life God intends us to live. To live between this wall and the other wall. In fact, it's the wall of the interface. In other words, you can walk in and walk out. That is why in Ezekiel 44, help me Lord, in Ezekiel 44 you find that the priest was told if he's going to go and minister to the, I mean the most holy place, he will put on cotton. And if he's coming out, he will put on wool. Is that okay? Good. In other words, he will demonstrate in two dimensions of living. You live in heaven, you live on it. Is that okay? You moving into heaven, you take another body. You move into air, you take another body. You take a body that fits into the atmosphere that you find yourself. So if you move into heavenly dimension, you take another body that suits the heavenly atmosphere. If you come into the earth, you take another body that suits the atmosphere of the earth. I want to explain something to you. You see, you have to have a body that relates to the environment you are living in for you to be able to function in that environment. That is why only fish can survive in the river. Are you with me now? Good. The climate, the atmosphere created for the fish is to survive. But if you go there, you are not going to be able to survive. Because that is not your atmosphere. That's not your own ecosystem. You see what I mean? So if you're moving into heaven, you take another body. You don't get into heaven with this kind of body. That's what I'm trying to say. Is that alright? Good. So if you're transisting, just like those priests, that's exactly what happened. You move into heaven with another clothing. You come out of heaven. You come to the earth to do ministry with another clothing. So, Jesus came in here, put on a different clothing, which has to do with the nature that we are bearing, to be able to relate to us. Get it right. Why do you think Adam was thrown from the earth? Adam was supposed to be a heavenly being, but for Adam to relate and manage the earth, he has to have the identity of the earth. I'll read the scripture for you as we progress. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. But let me stay with this a little bit. The issue of this stupid devil now. Praise God. Matthew 12. Just look at it again. Matthew 12. Let's look at verse uh, 29. Uh, or we'll take it from 28. Matthew 12, 28, 29. Very quickly with me. But if I cast the devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Okay? Verse 29. You watch that. And he said, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good, except he falls behind the strong man, and then he will spoil what? His house. Can you get that? Okay, let's take it from the message, if you have it. Let's take it from the message. Message translation. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's take it from verse 27 on the message. Okay, 27 please. 
If you are slinging devil more than me, I like that. You're saying you are a devil. That's devil more. Calling me a devil, kicking out devils. Doesn't the same mall stick to your own exorcist people who try to use other means to get devil out of people? Is that alright? Okay, look at the next thing, verse 28. But if by God's power that I'm sending devil spirit packing, then God's kingdom is here for sure. Can I hear an amen? That verse 29. How in the world do you think it's possible in broad daylight to enter the house of an a work able bodied man and walk off with his possessions unless you tie him up first. Tie him up though and you can clean what? Him out. So what does he mean tying up there? That's the cross. He went to the cross, he tied up the devil, he cleaned out his house. Is that okay? This is simply talking about the cross. How can you Go into a strong man's house in broad daylight and rob him. Unless you first bind him. You first tie him up. Is that okay? So, when was Satan bound? Let's get this, this last verse from the King James. Verse 29 from the King James. Hallelujah. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good except he first do what? Bind. There's a point. The strong man, and then he will do what? Spoil his goods. Binding. So when was devil bound? He's not going to be bound in the millennial reign. The people teach 1,000 years. He's already bound. He was bound right from the cross. Are you getting what I'm talking about? This is what Jesus is explaining. Somebody said, to, what happened about the millennium? Oh, listen to me. A thousand years like a day and a day like a thousand years. You know what that means? Jesus came, destroyed the devil, you shut us in into a day of rest call a thousand years rest you know what happened you lose the devil and you are the one that if you want to bind the devil you bind him how do you bind him through knowledge how do you lose him through knowledge the binding and losing directly connected to what you know hallelujah you see what I mean go to verse 30 message translation look at verse 30 hallelujah this is war. <laughs> it's like the sound that there was war in heaven. <laughs> and there is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are the enemy. If you are not helping, you are making things worse. This is war. What is the warfare here? Who do you belong to? Who do you subscribe to? Who do you believe in? Hallelujah. You got in it? Hallelujah. So, how did Jesus do all of these things? Hebrews 2 again, verse 14. The binding. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Very quickly. Let's see what we can do. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, Taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death. What did he do? He took death on himself. Is that alright? Is that okay? Okay. Now, if you look at the King James, there is something I would like to show you. Look at it from King James. For as much then as children are partakers 
of flesh and blood. He too also partook of what? Flesh and blood. I call this the principle of association. For people that you really need to save, you have to associate with them. You have to take on the identity of the ones you need to save. And so, even the area you need to rule over, you have to take the identity of that atmosphere. And it's important you understand that. Jesus have to do this because in the law of the Hebrew people, there's what he called the kinsman redeemer. Only your kinsman can redeem you from death. And so now we do not have anybody that, you know, have our nature and yet free from our nature that can redeem us from the corruption that we're in. So he took our nature and because he's not our brother, he became a kinsman redeemer. So he has a right now to redeem us. So one of the major reasons he became flesh is that he might have the right of redemption to be able to redeem us. Are you following that? Praise the living God. So this is the major thing. By implication, he took on our common nature to participate in our nature and then he forfeited what we call his inheritance according to Jewish law as it were. The very nature that he had before he took another nature so that he can be able to redeem us as a kinsman redeemer. Amen? Okay. So through that, that by the merit of his own death, making atonement for sin, and procuring the almighty energy of God, which is the Holy Spirit, he might do what? Destroy, or counterwork, or annihilate, or, how do I put it now? Remove, the potency of death which the enemy was exercising and set us free through his death. Is that alright? So, we need to come to this place. In other words, the influence... Ah, here I go now. Thank you, Lord. You see, as powerful as the works of the enemy was in your life, even so, by reason of the death of Christ and the release of the Holy Spirit... It's a powerful and effectual in your life. In other words, the way the enemy was moving you, even so now can the spirit do what? Move you. Because this is completely replacement. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? Good. Everything that the enemy was supposed to do in your life, you've been taken away. And another energy is poured into your life by which you can live. Praise the living God. By which you can live. By which you can do whatever thing you need to do. And that is by the influence of what? The Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the living God. So I want you to pick this. So the death of Jesus Christ. Judge or judicially overthrow the devil. And he was completely, you know, removed out of place and taken out of the way. By the way, think about it this way again. Here is the criminal sentenced to death. And here is the man coming in to pay. We've been saying this all along. Coming in to, coming in to pay the very price that you were supposed to pay. The debt you were supposed to pay was debt. Right? He came in, he took the debt. So what's the next thing that was supposed to happen? You are supposed to be a free man. 
Hallelujah. Please put on the board for me Hebrews chapter 9. Let's look at verse 20. Can I say 27 now? Hebrews 9, 27. If you can get it. Let me look at something there. Praise the Lord. Look at this. And as it appointed unto men once to die. But after this is judgment. No, no, no. This is where we stop when we're doing evangelism. I mean, if you understand that. It's appointed unto men once to die. <laughs> but again, look at this scripture. Who are the people to die? Men. Who are you? Son of God. As many as believe, he gave power to become what? Are you men? Don't talk to me. Are you men? Who, who has the appointment? Men. <laughs> Hallelujah. I appointed unto men. Men have the appointment. Not you. You are not men. You are son of God. As many as believe, you get power to become what? The sons of God. You were once men. Now you are sons of God. The appointment is no longer for you. It's for men. Are you still with me? Look at the next thing. And. What is and? My own little understanding of English, that's the conjunction. It's tying up this verse with the other verse. Am I right? That means the first statement is not over yet. Hold on with me. Are you still with me? Look at that. As some point, that man wants to die. After that, the judgment. And. Look at that. Verse 29. I mean 28. Look at 28. So. That's what I'm looking for. As it is appointed. As it is appointed. As a rolling lion. As, as. You need to understand the language of as. Are you getting that? When you read and you see as, as. It's no longer real. <laughs> okay. After appointed unto man wants to die after that judgment. So. Follow now. Connection, conjunction, united. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of. Now you remove many and put men. To bear the sins of men. And unto them. That now look for him. Shall he appear. What? A second time. Without sin. Unto what? Unto salvation. Do you know what he's talking about here? Okay. This is, well, this is second coming. No, 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 no. Go to verse 24. I'll show you something. Go to verse 24. Same passage. Hebrew 9 verse 24. For Christ is not entered. Second time, verse 29. First time, verse 24. What is he saying? For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. You know what that? When Jesus died and rose from the grave, Mary went and was to touch him. I don't know if you remember that. And the Bible says, Mary said, he told Mary, touch me not. For I'm not ascended to my father and to your father. What do you think he was talking about? Every high priest... Once the sacrifice has been made, take the blood into the presence of God. So that's what you find in verse 24. Jesus here entered the presence of God with the sacrificial lamb of his death. Is that okay? So when you go to the next place, we're talking about unto those that look for him. We are not looking for him to be saved. We are already saved. 
Are you still there with me? So what are we looking for here for? For transforming of our mortal bodies. Until them that look for him shall he appear a second time without sin. What he say without sin? Not dealing with sin, but unto salvation. So what salvation? Salvation of our mortal bodies. That will put on a glorified body. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're looking onto. That is what is our expectation. Are you still there with me? The issue of death is not the issue right now. As appointed unto man wants to die after that the judgment. So Christ was not offered to bear the sins of many. Glory to God. So don't 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 fall sick if if you if you want to and be thinking that you are going to die. That's the wrong thought. In fact, wrong thought itself is devil. Is that okay? Are you with me? Yeah, don't don't get some fever and then you are thinking, Oh, I'm going to die. This fever is going to kill me. What kind of thing is that? Wow. You can't die. You are not going to die. Even if you wanted to die, I refuse that you should die. Hallelujah. Diet is far away from your tabernacle. Can I hear an amen? Okay. So we can summarize what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in a few things. Uh, the Holy Spirit, if I have to summarize everything we're looking at there in verse 7 down to verse 11. The Holy Spirit, um, we convince men in their conscience of the fact that they are rejecting the Lamb of God that take away the sin of the world. That's the first thing. Now the second thing the Holy Spirit helps to do is to perfect the relief in the heart of men of not just our righteousness, but his innocency. The Holy Spirit is helping to establish the fact that Jesus was a lamb without spot or wrinkle. That's what he mean by righteousness. Is that alright? But then, we receive the same righteousness because we have been made the righteousness of God in who? In Christ. Meaning, to God, you are without spot or wrinkle. And that's a hard thing to believe. Hallelujah. Amen? Are you still there? Okay. Then we have the last thing that the Holy Spirit is doing and convincing us well is through the death of Christ we have been emancipated from the shackles of death. So death is far away from us. Hallelujah. He has been judged and sentenced. The judgment actually means cast out. And that's what we find in Matthew 12. A man must first bind the strong man of the house and spoil his goods. The goods that a strong man has are the power of death. They have been spoiled by who? By Jesus Christ. A burning right on the cross. It's not a tomorrow thing. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. So now, it is, it's left for you. To either accept it both ways. So we have people in the world who still believe that this is not real. And then we have people who believe that this is real. But don't forget something that I've always said. This to you. It is what you believe that you get. Amen? It's just what you believe that you get. I just gave you a simple illustration. For a family, 
wherein it's practically impossible because this lady had out in three years or so, whatever. And until all of them turned to what she wanted, they were not pregnant, never had babies. So they forsook their understanding of scriptures and have to go back to religion. And then I said, come I told you because I give back to you and it's not going to happen. But here is somebody that said, well, mama, no, 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 no. Whatever you say, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to live the freedom and liberty of Christ in my life. And here they are. They got it. Hallelujah. It's what you believe that you get. For me, Jesus was the Lamb of God. Innocent. Righteous. Through his death, destroyed the power of death. I can choose to die. Not because Jesus didn't die to set me free. It's a choice now. It is what you do with your life that determines the next thing. Are you still there with me? But if you believe in Jesus, you are free. And you are free indeed. Free from all realms. Free from everything. Free, free, free. That's what it means. You are just free. Is that alright? The devil have no right one bit to snap off your life. It's not possible. He doesn't have that ability anymore. That ability has been taken away from him right from when Jesus died. And don't you forget, every opportunity and ability and strength that they had before was a delicated one. He was just asked to do it, but now God said, you are not doing it anymore. I was angry with these people, but I'm no longer angry with them. Is that okay? I wanted you to slap them, but now you can't slap them anymore. His anger had been taken care of through the death of Jesus. So God is so angry with you. He loves you. Amen? And because he loves you, we do what? We love him. And to death I love him, he will manifest what? His mercy. Unto thousands. I would like to read that scripture and then we'll close for tonight. Exodus 20, give me verse 6. Okay, you can from verse 5 and 6 if you can. Exodus 20. Is your machine still working? Alright. Good. No, no, no. Look at verse 5 first. Verse 5. Then we'll come to this. I like this. Thou shalt not bow down. Talking about idol worship. Thou shalt not bow down to the self, not serve them. For I, the Lord, I God, I'm a jealous God. Because he's a husband, we are the bride. He's a bridegroom. Amen. Good. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay. Go to verse 6. Now, do you hate God? The answer says no. And showing what? Mercy unto what? Thousands of them that love the Lord and keep his commandment. The key point to receive mercy is what? Love. Do you love God? What are you expecting? Mercy. I'll see you next week.